This is the second part of a two-part episode on workplace harassment. On the first part, I spoke with two friends, one of whom works in finance and the other in engineering. Both of them are in their mid-twenties and are quite attractive young women. So they share with me about their experience with harassment in the workplace and we launch into this long conversation about how to determine if it is indeed harassment, setting boundaries, consent, where to draw the line and how women are actually also part of the problem. In this second part, I want to lay out the regulatory portion of the discussion. So dishing out what rights we're entitled to, what laws are currently in place, what to do when you think you are being harassed and how to properly handle the situation. On this episode with me, I have a staff from Aware Singapore. Her name is Mamta and she works with the newly launched Workplace Harassment and Discrimination Advisory. I'm Mamta and I'm actually the executive for the Workplace Harassment and Discrimination Advisory. Prior to this role, I actually worked with the New York State Government to analyze and implement policy for um, sexual violence survivors. And I also did a little bit of advocacy on a broader level for women's rights or reproductive justice, foreign workers, female prisoners. And then I went on to do a fellowship with a low-income community in New York City to understand and advocate for initiatives that would improve quality of life conditions for women of color um, who were facing poverty levels. Now I'm back at AWARE. (laughs) I joined as the WHDA executive. So prior to this, you were in New York. I moved to the US to get my bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. and then stayed on to work for a little bit because I think there's so much to learn from the advocacy and the way they implement um, initiatives for women's rights. My work in New York focused more on sexual assault survivors. And I think my first exposure to it was when I worked with a New York state government official and she was very pro-women's rights. We introduced legislation to improve the rights of sexual violence survivors. So for example, um, implementing training for police officers, um, the education component part of it, where how do you treat a survivor when they come to you? How do you talk to them? Who should be accompanying them? What what should you provide them with? and also in terms of hospitalization, right? When when a victim goes to the hospital, how do you treat a survivor who's just been through the trauma? So a lot of my work was on policy on sexual assault survivors. What I would say is that um, Singapore doesn't have a legal definition on harassment or discrimination, which is something that we don't see in New York. New York is very stringent about their discrimination laws as well as harassment laws. Okay, so maybe we can go into a bit about the Workplace Harassment Advisory that you guys just started. So tell me a bit more about it. So actually, AWARE has had long-running women's hotlines, right, for Mm -hmm. over 25 years now, including the one directed at the Sexual Assault Care Center as well as the Women's Care Center. And through both of these lines over the years, we began to receive a growing number of calls focused on workplace harassment and discrimination. Um, And last year itself, we documented almost 300 calls Mm. focusing on workplace harassment and discrimination. And so although our clients were receiving immense emotional support through these channels, um, we decided and recognized that, okay, 
we need to provide more comprehensive support um, and to include more practical advice mm. and solutions in addition to the emotional support that we're providing. We also recognize that, okay, number one, there isn't currently an option for people who do not want to directly approach HR or external organizations yet without having clarity on their situations. And the second part is there's no single solution to all workplace issues. So I think what we wanted to provide was to be able to walk through every client through a range of customized set of options, which would be tailored to their individual issue that they're facing. So we launched in September, mm -hmm. September 2019. For now, we'll call into our service hotline and then we talk through their concerns and issues, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what we also do is, um, in addition to helping them with how to document their issues, talk to HR, preparing them for that. We also make referrals to the Tripartite Alliance. Mm. Um, so that would be the Tripartite Alliance for Dispute Management, as well as the Tripartite Alliance for Fair and Progressive Employment Practices. And we work closely with both of them because when there is an issue that we've tried to help a client with and there's a limit on how much we can do, then we refer them to there where there's more advice that happens as well as formal mediation sessions. Um, if I can just break it down a bit, it's basically we're trying to establish like a a place for women to recognize that you know if they face some sort of harassment at work, this is the venue that they can go to for help. And then you guys will provide like some resources for them to deal with like the situation, be it like emotionally or to work out something with their like office or like whoever who was the perpetrator. Am I am I right to say this? Yes, absolutely. So we mm. also I would just like to add so Yes, we, we help them identify whether or not what they're experiencing is actually harassment and make sense of their situation itself because I think that's the first thing, right? A lot yes. of people or a lot of women that come to us don't even know if what is happening to them is con constituent of harassment in the first place. Mm. So yes, that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is they've people who come to us have already tried to address these issues with HR internally. Um, and now they're not sure of which options they want or mm. which options are available to them, what kind of resources are available to them. And then we guide them. And then we have another group of women that actually come to us and say, I haven't tried any options, but I know what I'm facing is harassment or discrimination. What do I do? So we start with basic advice. As an overview, workplace harassment is is one that can occur when one party at the workplace demonstrates some sort of behavior that is likely to cause distress to another party. Um, so it can include violating a person's dignity, creating an unfavorable work environment for this person, or an environment that is suddenly no longer safe. Mm. Um, I also believe that workplace harassment can take different forms and is not limited to the office. It can occur on an overseas business trip, at a company event after working hours or more, as long as it's related to um, work or it is by work colleagues. Mm. Um, and a lot of this includes threatening or insulting language, right? Or mm. comments or gestures that make one feel uncomfortable. Also includes sexual harassment, cyberbullying, for example, as well as um, bullying after announcing your pregnancy, just to give a few examples. 
we do not have a legal definition of workplace harassment or mm-hmm. discrimination in Singapore. So just to point that out, that we actually, yeah, there's no legal definition. Um, there are guidelines on what may constitute as workplace harassment and discrimination, but no official or legal definition. Yes, you're correct to recognize that we have a tripartite alliance which offers the advisory and mediation services, but that is also not legally binding. Mm. What we do have is the Protection from Harassment Act, which you mentioned, under which some cases of harassment that we receive may qualify for legal protection orders, but it should be noted that not all workplace harassment cases qualify. It is considered standard operating procedures and the Tripartite Alliance has released many guidelines on what should be included under these procedures. Mm. But it is not legally binding. Yeah, but it's the yes. company's um, decision on whether they want to take it further by enforcing certain rules and regulations, right? Yes, correct. Mm. Okay, okay. So a lot of cases that we receive actually involve features of bullying Mm. after announcing pregnancy. Okay. So the kind of bullying they faced um, after announcing your pregnancy for an employer. For example, um, suddenly performance is questioned. Um, they're being told that they're not performing up to mark, even mm. though prior to announcing their pregnancy, there were no, there were no complaints on performances. Um, nothing to indicate in any way that this employee had not met expectations. And so that's a very common theme among the cases that we receive. Um, Another thing would be uh, sexual harassment Mm -hmm. in companies that we see. And that's another thing we notice that a lot of companies also do not have a sexual harassment policy in place. Mm. So I, I would say that these two are quite common cases that we do receive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do you guys um, advise like these women to, to handle these situations? So I highly encourage clients to document any of these incidents that happen. And when you say document, it can be written document as well as an email. Um, a lot of a lot of the bullying or harassment that happens can be very verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the agreements that happen are in meetings, and there's no documentation of all of this. So what I do encourage my clients to do is that document it through an email. So for example, if a conversation has been had about or a comment has been made about poor performance, I encourage my clients to email their supervisor and say or clarify um, why poor performance is now being raised when prior to this, in this many months, it was not raised, or during appraisals, it was never brought up, Mm. Um, or during feedback sessions, it was never brought up. And what this does is that now we have a document to show that, yes, my client made the effort to clarify what is going on in terms of poor performance. Um, And I think it also provides an employer with the opportunity to say, this is what we noticed, this is where you need to improve. And if my client believes that this is an area of improvement she does need to work on, um, then she goes ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Versus if if she disagrees with it, now we have, um, we have the documentation through email as well as we encourage clients to start collecting any other forms of uh, written appraisals, written 
feedback that they may have received in the past. So for example, um, she received a pay raise and that was based on performance. That's a good way to document that, no, you have been performing well. And so your performance um, comment should not be made at this point. How do we help people recognize that what they're going through counts as harassment? I think we all recognize that that is very hard Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very difficult to recognize whether this is harassment or not. What we do is we call in the clients to hear the story right from the beginning of when they started feeling uncomfortable or right from the beginning when they started to feel a question if this was harassment in the first place. Mm. And then after listening to their entire story, then we decide, does this count as harassment or not? And I realize that there's no um, hard answer or a straightforward answer to this, but mm-hmm. it is only through going through the entire scenario with clients do we determine that it's harassment or not. Determining every individual's perspective on this is difficult, but what I would say is that everyone should learn to be aware of what they are uncomfortable with, what would be considered acceptable in a workplace, and be communicative about it. So for example, if somebody put their hand on your shoulder and that is something you're uncomfortable with, let them know. And if somebody continues to do this to you despite knowing how you feel, now that is cause for concern. Mm. And that's how you start to recognize that, okay, yes, this is not normal. It's not normal for me to be expressive of how I feel about this and for somebody to continue doing this to me. If let's say I'm somebody who does feel like uncomfortable, if let's say my boss comes and repeatedly like put his hand on my shoulder, but then I see yeah. him doing it to like everybody else and everybody seems yeah. like okay with it. When that happens, you know, if you're the only one feeling uncomfortable or expressing some level of discomfort, then you kind of internalize and like normalize the situation. You kind of like persuade yourself to think, okay, maybe, you know, that's fine. And like, maybe I'm overthinking it. So it's really, it's really great. Like, you know, Mm. No, I totally agree. I think it can be very hard to determine or process those feelings, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the case or in the particular situation that you mentioned where everybody is okay with it and you're not, I do believe that it is okay to raise that. You're not being rude about it. As long as you genuinely express it as something that you do not wish or something that you're uncomfortable with, mm. I think that's okay. I mean, it's not something it's not something you need to be rude about. It's not something that um, you have to be angry about at the first time it happens. But I think expressing and being communicative is important. So I think one thing that I have noticed about Singapore society and culture in general is that we like to make fun of people, you know, like we just want to make them feel uncomfortable. If we are comfortable with somebody, we kind of make fun of their lives or their looks or like we just joke around a lot. This is one like huge area that would probably prevent somebody who is feeling uncomfortable to speak up. Yeah, I think a lot of people fall into this area, you know, they just laugh it off and they shrug it off. They're like, haha, you know, it's, I'm just kidding with you, aren't we like good friends, you know, can't you take a joke? Yeah, honestly, I would encourage them to just give us a call and express, okay, this is what I feel, this has happened over this period of time, am I overthinking it, what do you think? And I think it's very hard to give very general Mm-hmm, for situations mm-hmm. that differ even though they may constituent under the same overarching branch of oh it's 
friendly uh, fun making or friendly teasing. I think everybody's everybody's concern or everybody's way of feeling for it or everybody's situation is still going to differ. Yeah, and it's hard to provide advice mm. for as a general as a general overarching advice. So I would highly encourage that if they're not they're not even sure how they feel about it or they're not sure if this is something to be made a bigger deal of or not. We're here for you and we're happy to pick up the call and speak to you about it. I think a positive direction to head towards in terms of this topic is first of all, if you know parties that are uncomfortable can speak up about it and then people who are making people feel uncomfortable can also recognize that they need to do something about it. So in terms of like where Singapore is, how far from that reality do you think we are? And I guess it starts with, you know, getting people to recognize that this makes them feel uncomfortable and for the perpetrators to realize that, you know, this this is something that is not okay. You're doing something that's wrong, you know. So how do we start to have that conversation, I think? That's a big question, I think, because when I speak to friends also, they're like, they... I think they struggle with like if you're having a conversation we can easily say yeah I think you need to you need to start having these conversations but then it's such a fluffy thing to say you know what I mean it's like everybody can say that but like to actually materialize it it's like a different it's a different thing altogether you know it's very complex like then there's a lot at play also because you know do they want to jeopardize like their professional um, career advancements or you know, um, yeah, like to be seen as the prick at work who can't take a joke. Let me let me begin with saying that um, I recognize that is a problem, and I recognize that not only because you bring it up, but because mm-hmm. through the hotline we actually receive calls on behalf of others. So the people calling us are not necessarily the people facing bullying or facing the harassment. And I think that's a good first step in saying that, okay, people are starting to be more aware and cognizant of the fact that, okay, somebody else felt uncomfortable with some with what somebody else has done. Mm. Um, and I think that's a good thing that people are starting to recognize that or be aware of that. And while I agree that it can be a very difficult conversation to have, especially in terms of the situation you're pointing out where, yeah, I don't want to be seen as a person that cannot take a joke. I also think that everybody has to draw a line in terms of what kind of jokes they're comfortable with and what they're not. Mm. Um, And we have to learn to be more respectful of those boundaries that have been created, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody sets different boundaries for themselves, and that can differ in terms of your external environment, the people you're hanging out with, um, the culture of the people you're with, um, your relationship with those people. It differs. Something that I would qualify as a joke with my friends may not be funny if something like that was said to me by a work colleague or a professional. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so drawing those boundaries are important. And while I believe that every situation would differ again, I would still encourage people, even if you're not the one being bullied, I think it's important to recognize and be respectful of others that may be in that position where you see them being harassed or bullied and talk to them about it or stand up for them, you know? Sometimes you don't want to be the person that opens up about it. But if you're watching 
this happening, why not say something about it? And I think we should learn to be more open about this. Yeah, so being like a being an ally, basically, right? I think it's hard to prescribe exactly how everybody sets boundaries. Um, and like I mentioned, given that there's so many external factors like culture and the relationship of the people mm-hmm. you're with or the environment that you're in, um, all of that affect or determine every individual's perspective on this, right? And I think the only way to be able to determine that is by communicating your boundaries. Mm. I, I, I believe it's so important to talk about it or to express it to, through gestures. For example, if, if you're in the office and somebody used a language that you're not comfortable with, but they're okay with it, there's nothing wrong with saying that I'm not comfortable with that, but that's also not something we say around here. So you might want to be careful about using that with somebody else. Um, and I think that's easier to say, or your boundaries are easier expressed to people you're more comfortable with. But, um, and I recognize that. I recognize it's easier to bring this up with somebody who you're closer to. Mm-hmm. But given that everybody's boundaries is going to be different, I think the first step is just recognizing what you are comfortable with before expressing that. And then just being cognizant of the fact that somebody else's boundaries are going to differ from what yours are. Mm. I think it's important to have like a support system of girls who are there for you and will be like, this is not okay. You know, if you need help, this is how we can help you. It's kind of important to form like a girl gang. You know what I mean? So whoever who's listening, you know, be nice to that female worker or be nice to everybody in your workplace because that's... That's important, you know, you never know what they're going through. Mm. Absolutely, you know, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think, as uh, not only as women, I think more in terms of women, because um, we should be supporting one another. It's easier to relate to one another. Yes. We go through very similar issues, and it's, it, it's in some way the ease of being able to talk from one woman to another may be so much more different than being able to communicate that with a man, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yes, I do believe strong support systems are very important. If I'm somebody who's entering the workplace, like my first time, or I'm entering a new workplace, what are some precautionary steps, things I should be aware of when it comes to like workplace harassment or like sexual harassment? Um, I think the first thing would be to to talk to HR and be clear on the policies or guidelines that every company has Mm -hmm. and ask ask about um, do you have do you have a formal workplace harassment policy or guidelines in place do you have a formal workplace sexual harassment policy in place and this does not have to be your first conversation with HR but I think it's something to be known and something that you should find out early on in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's important, as I said, to be communicative from the very beginning if something is not feeling right to you and at the same time be clear on those right? So for example, how does your boss communicate with you? How do you provide feedback? How do you encourage um, discussion between you and your work colleagues about how to improve the work that you're doing or how how does the rest of the team communicate with each other? I think these are things to feel out mm-hmm. and understand that so that going forward you recognize. I think it may be slightly easier to recognize 
when something does not feel right if you already understand that foundation of mm. what the general culture is around you. With regards to like um Singapore as a country, how do you think yeah. we are um in terms of like handling workplace harassment? I think we're now beginning to realize and understand what actually workplace harassment and discrimination is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're learning we're learning what that concept constitutes of. So I think that's a very good first step to be at is to identify and learn um, public harassment is. And only when we learn to actually understand what this concept is will we begin to realize and recognize that this is this is happening, right? Mm-hmm. And only then can we take further action. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the stage we're at is where we're learning to re- we're learning to understand the concept and learning to recognize um, whether this is really happening to us or not. I think only when you start to realize the issues can you take action on them. And so this definitely, I agree, it's, it's a good starting point. Merry Christmas, you guys! Merry Christmas! Okay, so I know a lot of you are away on holiday during this period of time, but we're still going strong, you know. Something Private still publishing every single Monday, so make sure you are subscribed to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you listen to our podcast. Our next episode is going to feature someone who is very special. She's very beautiful. Um, she was featured on our Insta story some time ago. And we're also going to do a new year, end of year, you know, new decade prediction kind of episode. We're going to bring in bits of like astrology, prediction, parts and whatnot. So stay tuned. That's going to be really exciting. By the way, we also have a Telegram channel for updates on the podcast. You can just search on Telegram, something private pod to find us. And also follow us on Instagram, the same handle, something private pod. Alright, okay, let me know what you guys thought about this episode on workplace harassment. Have you guys ever faced some ambiguous work situation where you felt, you know, like it was harassment but you were afraid to speak up? Let me know. Otherwise, I will see you guys on Monday for episode 15. Oh, wow. Episode 15 really so fast. Okay, bye.